Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to ten p.m. And I laugh because five dollars—I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Oh. 
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> <laughs> SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., From Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now brought to you by our generous festival sponsors alta california botanicals destiny's mom what a tomato produce company the law offices of john p strauss the third asiento frufruhot.com jankytown.org brooke heineken pervert fervor and trina roderick Asiento. This locally owned Mission neighborhood bar and restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Our address is 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out. Featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu, this is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food. Join us at Asiento. Whoa there. What a tomato! Where did you find such a nice tomato? What a tomato? I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. 
What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a Tomato Produce Company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs, 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy, because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Mom's Comedy. When you weren't looking, started resurfacing, and you knew better, and you know better still. And I'm sorry, Bo, when the other shoe it drops, baby, well, it seems to fit you so. Well, so put it on, suck it up, and put it on. Cause you are careless when with your things. They got a ruin when you left them out in the rain. And we can try and put them in with the washing. And welcome to Women's Magazine here at MutinyRadio.fm. This is Global Val. Thank you for joining us today here on Friday, April 7th, 2017. Um, thanks, everybody, who tuned in and listened during March, which is National Women's Month, Women's History, History Month. And I want to thank all of my guests who were available and uh, shared their experiences and their deep knowledge and passion on those four uh, four of the five Fridays in March. Um, but we're in April now, and I want to wish everyone a happy National Poetry Month. Uh, at the end of the month, we'll be going over to City Hall at uh, on December, excuse me, April 27th for the 12th Annual Poems Under the Dome. That'll be Thursday evening uh, from 5.30 to 8 p.m. It's a free all-ages event. Please come on down and join us. Find out some more information at poemdome.net. But uh, today... Friday, April 7th, I have uh, some guests in the studio today because we're going to be talking about um, a bill that's been proposed in the California State Senate, um, which is SB 320, which would uh, mandate that public universities in California offer through their health centers um, and student health insurance the uh, availability of abortion medication. Um, So, 
I want to introduce my guest today. We've got uh, Dr. Diane Tober, who's an assistant professor at UCSF and a fellow at the Women's Policy Institute. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Diane Tober. Thank you. And and it's also a pleasure to welcome uh, two UC Berkeley students who are the co-directors of the Students United for Reproductive Reproductive Justice Club at UC Berkeley. I've got uh, in the studio here Phoebe Abramowitz and Elizabeth Wells. Welcome, uh, Phoebe and Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks. It's so nice to have you in here today, you know, especially at this point in time uh, with uh, women's health and reproductive rights being kind of at the forefront of a lot of people's minds and concerns considering uh, the... the um, the climate of our of, of politics in this country right now, um, following on the heels of the women's historic women's march in January. Um, so thank you for joining us, uh, and I'm really interested to know about uh, SB 320. Um, how did this uh, bill come about? Well, I'm a, as uh, you mentioned, I'm a member of the Women's Policy Institute, and uh, there's several other, other members of my group that we were working in the Reproductive Justice Group, and we were looking towards doing a bill that obviously would be of importance to women and uh, women's health and reproductive rights. So we had a number of ideas that we kicked around, like um, alternative custody programs for parents um, in prison or jails. Uh, we had the idea of um, an infertility bill that would require infertility treatment. But we ultimately settled on uh, this idea to make medication abortion available to students on campus. I don't mean settled on. <laughs> I didn't quite phrase that right. But we ultimately decided on because we saw that um, in the year prior, there had been a huge student movement on campus to, to try to get medication abortion available on the Berkeley campus. And it seemed like some of the students were coming up against some resistance on campus. So we wanted to do something that would be really important that um, came from sort of on the ground organizing and, um, and seemed like a really big important thing to do, especially given the fact that, like you mentioned, um, women's reproductive rights are being whittled away at, not whittled away at, axed away at across the country. And and that's um, it's great that that this is uh, something that came from the grassroots from the students movement. So um, Elizabeth and um, and Phoebe, tell us about your involvement and what you've been doing on UC Berkeley campus and then how it kind of intersected with the Women's Policy Institute. Okay, yeah, I can speak to that. So that started uh, a full year and a half ago. It was a very long process. Our two founders of our organization, Adiba Khan and Megan Warner, basically looked around on our campus, saw what was missing, and then we're like, why don't we offer medication abortion on campus? Like, what? why is this missing? Um, so it started with them. You know, they would phone into the university health services and say, um, I am a student seeking an abortion. Like, what? Where do I go from here? And it started, there was a couple of issues. One, the help they were getting on the phone was very like kind of negative and aggressive. Um, there was a giant deductible. Um, there was still a copay. And then so they started going into meetings and negotiations with different administrators. They got that $300 deductible waived. That was the first kind of large victory because that $300 is a huge burden for so many students can't get that kind of money. Um, and then from there, it just kind of went into months and months of navigating. We have a large decentralized bureaucracy at UC Berkeley. Um, so, and then I kind of got brought into that a, a little later, and we just kind of started having meetings with different administrators to figure out why, how we could offer this service. 
Um, and that process went on for a long time. We talked to a lot of different people. They at one point had a meeting with our chancellor um, that went fairly well. Uh, and overall, we saw that administrators were like pretty supportive on principle and that they like wanted, they were saying that like we want to advocate for women and like we're pro-choice, we think that this should happen. Um, but the other thing that we were seeing over the months and months of these organized of these negotiations was that no one wanted to deal with it. They just, they were like, yeah, this is great, but like, what if we did this other thing where we don't have to deal with this? Um, and that was kind of the recurring theme we were getting, and there would be other things that they would be like, oh, this is the thing that's keeping us from being able to offer medication abortion, but it was really always just that no one really wanted to deal with it. Um, and so that went on for a long time. We did, in the course of that, though, we managed to get really, really overwhelming student support. We had an uh, ASUC, which is our student government resolution, passed unanimously. Uh, and we also worked for only a couple weeks, maybe a week and a half, and we got um, over a thousand signatures on a petition from students. We have a faculty letter in support with about a hundred signatures on it. And just from talking to students during that to like drum up that we have significant support, we saw really, really overwhelming support, especially once we explained what was going on to people, because we'd get people being like, I don't understand what you're saying, what's medication abortion, why would we give it out for free at the Tang Center, and then when we explained that it wouldn't be free necessarily, and that it, just like what the pills were, and like what it meant to have a medication abortion, students were really, really, really supportive, like overwhelmingly, and the thing we got the most was, oh, why don't we already do that? Interesting, yeah, because uh, you know, the why don't we already do that is a really great question, being that abortion is constitutionally uh, legal in this country um, and I kind of want to get a little more a little perspective from from you Elizabeth um, as a member as a co-director of the the students United for reproductive justice what kind of uh, drive drove you to become involved in this oh yeah um, so I'm originally from the Central Valley I lived there for 18 years in four different cities uh, Bakersfield, Fresno, Madeira, and then Little Chowchilla. Um, and you see teen pregnancy is incredibly high. And other, and more to add on to that is just this lack the, I mean, abortion and reproductive and sexual health in general is just enshrouded in, in stigma and this inability for people to talk about sex openly is a natural thing. And in the Central Valley, especially, you see that. Um, but sex is natural people are still having sex uh, but they're not going about it in in ways that are, are, are safer and to prevent pregnancy um so being surrounded by that and growing up uh my family was very liberal and talked about abortion um and condoms and things like that but you know i was surrounded by lots of and, and close friends that were uh, that were getting pregnant and and choosing to have the child um there is just down the street from my high school there's a crisis crisis pregnancy center um, which is offering inaccurate information hmm. linking abortion to uh mental health um problems which is <laughs> proven that's not the case um and showing videos of women who come in seeking help if they have an unplanned pregnancy um which isn't ethical by any means and um and students are aware that this is down the street, but they're not aware that they can, in fact, sign themselves out um, during the school day without their parents knowing and go down the street and get, you know, contraceptions for free. Um, so there's just this huge discrepancy. Um, 
so seeing that and also going to community college and seeing again that abortion was not talked about um difficult to to get especially since in community college you have people that um already have families and they have part-time full-time jobs and a like a full full course load um so those are both both things community college um close friends family members that have to when the people that i do know that have had abortions what they had to do to uh to navigate the way you know going through crowds of protesters um and just the the horrible things that are like uh, thrown at them um it's just really um is what inspired me to to become engaged in this this fight and you've um, you also work at the student health clinic yes. at, at UC Berkeley campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I saw. Um I'm actually like a birth control peer clinician. So when people want to talk about birth control, they can come in. I also teach a, a sexual health education class. Um, so seeing that we, the, this health center offers so many fantastic resources in terms of sexual health, uh, you know, I frequently dress up as a penis to hand out condoms and whatever, <laughs> and can talk about the IUD for hours. Um, and, and yet abortion, which is intimately linked to, you know, bodily autonomy and and contraception it's all under one you know one cloud is just um shockingly lacking from the services at tang um despite you know multiple administrators saying this is something that we believe in it's like again as phoebe said like it's something that they agree on principle like yes this is something but the political backlash we're afraid of getting is we're just gonna have to stop yeah Uh, it's interesting that you spoke about that stigma being so strong in the central valley um but still at berkeley that's still i mean the force keeping us from offering medication abortion on campus because there was ultimately no other reason except the fact that the stigma and the external pushback was just going to be so strong that supporting students wasn't worth it Um, And so it's interesting seeing that stigma that people would think barely exists in a place like Berkeley still kind of being what's getting between students and their care. Exactly. And that, yes. And so as of right now, if a a young woman wants to come in, it comes into the student health center and is seeking an abortion or abortion um, counseling, what um, what resources are available for her? Um, So what. Uh, it was a little confusing at the beginning when they were um, calling in and seeing what the process was like for a student to go in and seek an abortion. We've since spoken to students who have gone through that process. Um, um, but there was an issue with them saying that you had to talk to a social worker, which kind of leads to that questionable, like, oh, you have to go to like counseling, what's going on with that? Uh, but the main thing that goes on now and that we've heard from students who have sought an abortion through the Tang Center, which is the on-campus health center at UC Berkeley, um, is that they have to then get an outside referral, uh, make an appointment, wait for that to go through, and then go to the Planned Parenthood in El Cerrito. And there was one uh, woman that I spoke to last week uh, who wanted to remain anonymous, so she's not here today, but um, she it ended up from the time that she discovered she was pregnant, after having a failed um, 
contraception, so failed IUD and failed condoms, so found out she was pregnant, and um, went to the Tang Center, tried to see if she could get services there, um, then again had to go to the emergency room to get an ultrasound to make sure it wasn't ectoptic, and then was sent back to the, to the clinic to go through this counseling, and then sent someplace else. By the time all those steps took place, it was over two weeks. She could have had a medication abortion within, within 10 weeks, but by, the, but by taking those two weeks worth of time, it put her past the, the date that, at which she could get that medication abortion, and then there she, therefore she ended up having to have a surgical abortion all the way out in another city, not even in the, in the in the East Bay area. So, taking BART and so on to be able to get access at a clinic f further away, and then to get it covered too. She had to go on Medi-Cal to get it covered. So you've got all these obstacles that are set up in place, even in a place as progressive as as the Bay Area. Uh, and. I want to follow up with you, um, Dr. Tober, because d let's demystify uh, and define what medication abortion is. Um, like you said, that there's kind of a, a time frame within which you know you can take it and it can be effective. Um, and can can you kind of elaborate on that for us, please? Right. Yes, certainly. Medication abortion. It's basically at this point, um, it's two pills. So you would come in if you have a positive pregnancy test that you do at home or whatever. You go into the clinic and then you'd have another pregnancy. Test test there, either by, um, um, you know, urine analysis, a blood test, or whatever. Um, in some cases, they do use an ultrasound to find out the gestational age. Um, you have to be under 10 weeks in order to be able to get a medication abortion. Um, not all clinicians use an ultrasound to determine gestational age. Many f are very comfortable with sort of feeling around and make and, and knowing what, that, what a 10-week or under pregnancy feels like. So uh, assuming that she's under that, that 10 weeks, then she would be administered um, mifepristone in the clinic and then giving, given uh, some misoprostol. I can never say those words properly. Uh, misoprostol. It's challenging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these medications. It's um, the hardest part about the whole process. Exactly. <laughs> and then she would take those uh, later at home. And so yeah. the mifepristone basically would start causing the contractions, and then uh, 24 to 48 hours later, she'd take the misoprostol, which would um, sort of detach the, 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 the material or the, the tissue from the, the uterus, and then uh, it would pass. So basically the whole process takes several days, and it is something similar to um, having one's menstrual cycle, a period. So it, it results in cramping and then some uh, bleeding, and then uh, you go back to the, the doctor usually afterwards to make sure that the, that the, um, that the process was complete, that there's no um, uh, material left in your uterus. So. Which, which sounds, uh, from from just uh, a laywoman's understanding, which sounds a lot um, easier and and perhaps um, easier on 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 one's body mm -hmm. than a the actual um, surgical abortion. Which, uh, uh, when women go through that, often then they they bleed like a like like they're menstruating for you know for like a month or so afterwards. Mm -hmm. But with this medication abortion, it sounds like a fairly short-term process. Yeah, it's several days, and it's, you know, like I said, it's within 10 weeks, and you don't need to go undergo any kind of aspiration. Your body isn't exposed in, in that way. Um, you don't need to have any kind of antibiotics. Um, so it's a much quicker and easier process, um, you know, for the bulk of the time, and it's very successful and very safe. Yeah. So let's talk about this bill, yeah. um, Senate yeah. bill in California here, uh, SB 320, mm -hmm. uh, it's been put forward by um, 
senator. Who's the senator who's supporting this bill? Senator Connie Leva. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and she's down in the Pomona area, in Southern California. So how so? How did how did this bill come together, and um, and and how did you garner um, support for it from Senator Leva? Yeah. Okay. So this is the you know the policy process 101. Um, so basically, as a member of the Women's Policy Institute, we have these different teams, and we're in the reproductive justice team. And as I said um, in the very beginning, our team wanted to do something that was very important that came you know sort of from the ground up rather than having us come up with an idea from a top-down kind of perspective. So we really wanted to respond to the needs of the community. So for the first several months, we kicked around a number of ideas that we thought were really important ideas, and we had some great bill ideas. But for one reason or another another this would have been difficult with this bill and that would have been difficult with that bill and what about the cost of that bill so we kind of kept crossing things off our list and then one day we're having a conversation with one of our mentors and uh, this this subject came up through um, having read some things on, online about the work that Serge had been doing the year prior. And uh, we're like, aha. Every single one of us in the group was like, it was our aha moment. This is the bill that we want to take on. And because we saw it, you know, we finally decided on the bill. It was after the elections, um, which we were all, of course, very upset about how that turned out. But in any case, um, so we wanted to do something to really, really take on um, and really push back against this shift in the political winds on a, on a larger scale. And we saw this would be something that could really do that and also be something very important for women and preserving our reproductive rights. So in any case, um, we decided to, to work on this bill and we shopped it around to a number of different legislators at, at the state capitol building. And um, this was a, a couple of months ago. and. Senator Leva responded very positively right away. She wanted this bill and she was completely committed to it. And um, we just felt like it was, that was a huge gift for us because she does you know, have her pulse on the education and health um, uh, systems here in the state of California. She's from Pomona, which is very similar to the Central Valley in terms of the population. And, um, and she's just turned into being a, a really strong champion for this for this bill. So we feel very fortunate um, to be working with her and her her office uh, on this. And um, we're going to be headed to the Senate Health Committee hearing um, on April nineteenth in a couple of weeks. So we're very excited about about that as well. So who who's going to be there uh, representing at the Senate Health Committee on the nineteenth? Uh, well, we're going to have one of the students probably come and, and, and talk about their experience, and then we're uh, still working out who's going to be the expert testimony provider for that, that date. But um, Oh, and you asked another question about how we got connected with, with this group. So as we were going through this process and we decided upon this bill, we also decided it was really important to reach out to people who've been working with us on the ground, because they're the experts having been working on this for the past year and a half. We're coming into it new, and so we didn't want to really feel like we were coming in without all this knowledge, but all of a sudden all these ideas of how we were going to to do this. So we really wanted to consult with the people who had been working on the ground, who had been doing this for the past year and a half. And and so I, being at UCSF, I ended up uh, connecting with uh, Professor Potts at UC Berkeley, and then we ended up ha having a meeting with him and Adiba Khan, who's also in the surge group, and then ultimately with um, the, the people that we have here today. Excellent. I'm, I'm so inspired to to have all of you here today. Um, Thank you. <laughs> for having us. Yeah. <laughs> it really, you know, like I've been out of college for several years now. I'll look at my imaginary watch. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's, 
it's it's really heartening and it's really um, encouraging when students um, such as yourselves have have taken it to the level of really sitting down with the administration of the University of California, which is a big bureaucracy. I went to UC Santa Barbara. That's how I learned life skills oh, yeah. of uh, you know navigating bureaucracy. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's a great skill to be able to take through life. Go gauchos. <laughs> yeah, the gauchos. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <Enters>. So. <laughs> Um, but so so where what's the what are the what's the status of this? So so you're going to the um, April nineteenth as a Senate Health Committee, um, and then does it need to pass through that committee to go through? What are the kind of the next steps for this bill? And also, what kind of hurdles? is it facing? Yeah, that's a very yeah. good question. Um, so yes, the next step is the Senate Health Committee hearing, and after that will be quickly going to the Senate Education Committee hearing. So it does have to pass through both those houses, uh, both the Senate, and then it will go to appropriations, and then it'll go to the Assembly. And again, it will have to pass through the Assembly Health Committee hearings, and then the Assembly Education Committee hearings, and then eventually, probably in September, to Governor Brown's desk. So it has a ways to go. We've got, you know, you might end up getting a report back, you know, in a number yeah. of months of, you know, what's happening. But in any case, um, so it has to go through that process. And um, yeah, the opposition I, so far from what I've heard from the, the uh, senator's office, you know, there is the predictable opposition of the, the um, anti-abortion groups and the conservative Christian groups and so on. We have had some conversations with, pe with providers on the ground that are not, they're actually very supportive of the bill, but there are some discussions about potential challenges of implementation, which are things that we're d definitely addressing and looking at what's the best way to implement this and how are we going to do to go about this in a very systematic way. But those are conversations that we're, we're you know, having in an ongoing way and, and we're looking at sort of the practicalities of, of the implementation of the bill as well as the sort of larger theoretical and, and political aspect of getting something like this through. And so um, as a students group, the surge group, mm -hmm. the Students United for Reproductive Justice, um, and and other students. Um, what what role are you and your group um, continuing to play, and how are you continuing to kind of spread the word about this and, and get people involved and aware of what's going on? Yeah, so it's a continuation of the of a grassroots movement. Um, we are planning a massive uh, Berkeley rally on the 21st of April, and we're trying to get in, co in coordination with other UC, CSU, CC campuses in hopes of um, having a statewide rally. Um, so that's our hope right now. Um, we are also fundraising, uh, Phoebe can speak on that, um, and we're also hoping to, after the rally, um, May 2nd or 3rd, um, and having a lobby group with, um, and talking to senators at the Capitol um, about why this this bill is so important for so many different types of community, I mean, of college students, you know, UCs, uh, CSUs, and CCs as well. Yeah, I'm hoping to really be able to kind of flex and show the student support for this because one of the main things I've noticed and actually been surprised by the extent of just like the really excited, enthusiastic support of this coming from people I don't even know that well. They're just like, oh, that's so cool. We yeah. really want yeah. that. Um, and I think a lot of that is coming. You mentioned very early in this, the like current political climate. People are all of a sudden just like, oh, what do we do? Like Mike Pence is in the White House. This is horrifying. <laughs> like, what do we do? Right. Um, and so for us to be like, here's a thing you can do 
that will help actual people, people get really excited about that. We're also, one of the fundraising things we've been doing that people have been really excited about, we've just been selling shirts that say Mike Pence is an evil lizard. Um, and people really like them. So we're hoping to use the money from that to uh, just put right towards our efforts and kind of mobilizing students more. Uh, but we really want to get voices on other campuses, like Elizabeth was saying, because um, it made sense for it to be kind of about students at Berkeley when it was about students at Berkeley, but now that it's gone full statewide, we want to be able to amplify those voices of other students um, and be sure that that kind of enthusiasm is really coming through also. So we want to coordinate with other campuses to take similar actions in terms of the resolution we've passed on our own campus, the uh, lobby day, and the rally that Elizabeth mentioned. And you can buy a shirt on our Facebook page, Students United for Reproductive Justice at Berkeley. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, check it out. <laughs> Students United for Reproductive Reproductive justice at Berkeley surge. Yes, as surge. You. Yeah, that's what we call it. It's important to have a positive message, but sometimes you just got to give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I I, I agree. Um, you know what I what I kind of like is after this. You know. Uh, well, actually, even leading up to Election Day, um, all of these huge, this huge influx of donations to Planned Parenthood yeah. in Mike Pence's name, yes. making him like the number one Planned Parenthood donor of <laughs> we, 2016. We which we're like, with um, Cal Berkeley Democrats the day that Milo Yiannopoulos uh, was slated to speak at our school. He never spoke, but um, and we <laughs> sold donuts and we gave the donations to Planned Parenthood in Milo Yiannopoulos's name. And I forget if the we we let people vote for either Tommy Lauren or Mike Pence or Trump. I believe Mike Pence yeah. won, though. Or maybe Paul Ryan won. <laughs> we did a similar thing that day. Now, I wonder if they get the tax write off for the, those donations, though. You better not. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Good no, question. Taxes, oh, there you go. <laughs> An interesting twist that would yeah. be. Um, yeah. There was looking for loopholes. Um, so, <laughs> well, you know, um, so let, let, let's make sure that we have uh, the information out there for people to uh, get in touch, get informed, um, be you know, be active in this um, in this push to try to get SB three twenty passed through these various committees, uh, the, S the state assembly, the state senate, and and put onto Governor Brown's desk. Yeah. Which which has what, what, what's your estimate for how long that might take? A several next few months or yeah, the whole process. I mean, obviously there's going to be the Senate committee hearings throughout April. Then there'll probably be the assembly ones in, in uh, beginning of May, I would imagine. And and then um, by the time it gets to the, the governor's desk, it'll probably be uh, end of August, beginning of September, mid-August earliest, but we, we got a little bit of a late start on this bill, so it'd probably be more like September. So in the meantime, what people can do is um, write letters of support, and uh, we can provide information on where to, where to send those. You can either send them to a couple of the organizations, like I said earlier, Access or ACT. Um, one of my colleagues on this team, uh, Sarah Spriggs, is at Access, and uh, Sarah Hutchinson at ACT, um, and I can give you the, that information where they can um, be sent letters of support. Senators, letters of support can obviously be sent directly to Senator Leva's office as well, um, so we can either collect them or we can, um, or you can, they can go straight to the Senate um, Senator's office. Um, another way of supporting is to go to the ledge info and put in SB 320 and track the bill. 
so that you can get updates on uh, what's happening with the legislation as it's going through the process, if you're interested in this. And um, you can even show up at the, the hearings, the Senate Health Committee hearings, the Assembly hearings, and so on, and stand up as people are going through the process after the testimony. You can say, my name is such and such, I am from you know Planned Parenthood, and I support this bill, for example. So you can either participate and support by writing in, uh, calling in, or showing up and actually buying a t-shirt. <laughs> We're also, our rally on April 21st at noon um, on the Sproul, which is like kind of the main area of UC Berkeley, is definitely going to be open to community members. We've reached out to community organizations to hopefully part participate with us, um, but we definitely would love for different community members to kind of show up for student health as well. Also, if... Um there are folks out there who have had an abortion and they want to talk about their story um, and possibly the difficulty in access or just the what hurdles they had to face. Um, they can, feel free to reach out. Our email for Surge is also calsurge at gmail, um, so they can talk to us or WPI or the previous people mentioned. But we want to know that we want people out there to know that you know people who have had abortions they're not alone. Lots of people have abortions. It's something that should be naturalized and the stigma needs to be broken down and we're here to, to try to help with that. And one thing to, um, also to emphasize, which you mentioned earlier before we got here, um, about the Central Valley is yeah. some people trying to access an abortion and for example, UC Merced, they don't have uh, services available nearby. So they might end up having to travel, you know, yeah. an hour or more by public transportation just to get access to services and let, let alone the cost as well so right. for a student that's prohibitive absolutely there's a lot of there's cost uh, it's cost prohibitive in in many cases yeah. um it's location um transportation prohibitive in many cases yeah. and just the just the um the the personal experience of, of uh, you know making of making this type of decision whether it's you know easier or easier for you or harder for you um, and then trying to find any kind of support whether it's personal support or institutional support um, it's certainly something that that I think we really need to look at and I and I'm I'm excited about this bill um, for those reasons because if California as we often do pioneer um, you know, n new thoughts through through our um, legislation, um, kind of opening up minds to, you know, normalizing, as you said, mm -hmm. um, Elizabeth, saying that, you know, abortion isn't necessarily this big, scary, you know, medical procedure and doesn't need to be, you know, and, and, and that women or young women and young people, you know, couples as well, um, need to, to have some kind of support um, for whatever choices they may make. Yeah. And really, I mean, we're just talking about a pill, you know? It's not like a, pr a medical procedure, it's just a pill. If you can take a contraceptive pill on campus, why wouldn't you be able to, to get medication pills, uh, abortion pills available on campus? It doesn't make sense, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and also if, if, if California is to be uh, herald and, and wants to be bolster that it's this progressive beacon for the rest of the, for the, rest of the country, especially, you know, in this post-election post world, um, this is a way to do that you know if you want to say the show that you're dedicated to uh, bodily autonomy and you know reproductive rights and reproductive justice putting in the hands of folks in you know wide array of public universities um, across the state is you know a hell of a first step <laughs> it's not the you know there's a lot of more steps that we should be taking and we're also hoping that this is going to um, 
you know, maybe California can lead by example and there will be other states that will um, follow in our steps. So. Yeah, our goal was always to set a precedent of uh, abortion access on campuses across the country. I think that's always kind of been the goal. Yeah, looking for a chain reaction. <laughs> nice, and I appreciate that um, that the surge in your group, in your student group of surge, um, took those steps. Um, you know, scheduled those meetings, got told no all those yeah. times, <laughs> and now actually have uh, a potential way to. Um, force the issue onto onto UC Berkeley yeah. and not just UC Berkeley but all the UC campuses the CSU Cal State University campuses and the California Community College campuses and I think it also I, I think a good way of looking at it that wouldn't be dishonest is that the UC campus like ultimately they benefit from this weight not all falling on them it's not like right. this is something they really don't want to do and it's like a big bad state forcing them to act against their own interests it was something that everyone was kind of down for and just didn't want to be the one to do it the one to be first the one to take on the protesters the one to take on the public attention so it wasn't that they like couldn't or were unable or didn't want to do it it was just that they didn't want to be the only ones doing it. Yeah. So in this way, I like your positive um, out spin on it because it is that this if this becomes uh, signed into law could be could support the universities in being able to provide the type of access that they would in theory like to prov pro um, provide for for students. Yeah. Yeah. I see it more of as an opportunity that gives uh, public universities more kind of freedom to actually meaningfully protect students who have uteruses. Yes, and protecting the constitutional right to have an yeah. abortion. Thank you. Exactly, guys. yes. The very basically stated constitutional right to have an abortion. Yeah, it really comes down to being a humanist issue, you know, rather than being pushed as like a feminist issue. We want to, sh you know, the intersectionality of this and that this is, again, this is choice. This is what can, can I do, what I can should choose what I get to do with my body. And that, again, that, that's a human right. Agreed. <laughs> well, I want to thank you all so much for being here, Dr. Diane Tober, um, Phoebe Abramowitz, Elizabeth Wells, um, and um, uh, encourage people to get involved and follow this bill, track this bill, um, SB 320 in the California State Senate. Um, send your letters of support to Senator Leva down in Pomona. Um, and uh, go to that rally at UC Berkeley on April 21st. What time is that rally scheduled for? It's at 12 noon, and anyone seeking more information can email calsurge at gmail.com. That's C-A-L-S-U-R-J at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, this is the this is the new movement. I, I was um, kind of, you know, opining last week, as I tend to do with this radio show. Um, you know, I think it would be kind of uh, an interesting uh, twist if you know how there's always like Time Magazine does like Man of the Year or something. Yeah. I think the Man of the Year this year should be the woman. <laughs> I think it's the year of the woman. I think it's the year of the town hall. And I think uh, that you know, American citizens and non-citizens who are residents in this in this country um, are activated right now, and uh, this is what's happening right now with SB 320 um, student activism leading to uh, policy, leading to legislation being written, and uh, now slated to be heard and voted upon. So, congratulations on all your work, and we'll Thank keep you. putting it out Thank there you. and reminding people to to follow this along and take that action, which is this one way, as you said, to support pe real people right now um, 
in this kind of overwhelming uh, situation that we look at um, often. So we'll keep following up. Uh, we'll keep following this bill. And um, if you want to come in at any point uh, between now and then or whenever there, there are new things that come up, just know that you're welcome. Get in touch with me and happy to have you back here on Women's Magazine here at Mutiny Radio. Thank, Thank you. you again Thanks so much. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. All right, folks, I'm going to play a little music for you and we'll be right back. And just remember, you, you get to you get to choose. It's a thing. It's Macy's Spring Mattress Sale. Get the lowest prices of the season from Sealy, Serta, Beautyrest, and more with Queen Mattress Sets starting at $297. Plus, get special financing on a mattress purchase of $499 or more on your Macy's card.
for the Gang of Five. This gang is dangerous and known for holding, talking, texting, yes, even apping your phone while driving. Tickets start at $162. Visit handsfreetodrive.com before it's too late.
Well, thank you all for listening to Women's Magazine. I don't know how Mr. Mister uh, ended up being the only music playing during the last three minutes or so. But maybe you enjoyed it. Maybe you just secretly enjoyed it. Um, either way, I want to thank my guests for coming in to talk about uh, California Senate Bill 3. To zero, um, sponsored by uh, Senator Connie Leva down in Pomona. So again, if you want to get more information about that, um, you should follow Surge. That is the Students United for Reproductive Justice um, Club that is formed at UC Berkeley. They'll be having the rally on April 21st at 12 noon, UC Berkeley campus in Sproul Plaza. Uh, you can also email them if you have questions or if you want to tell your story at calsurge at gmail.com. That's C-A-L- S-U-R-J, Cal Surge. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm, also in affiliation with KPFA 94.1 FM, Pacifica Network. And uh, remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like actually changing uh, the the uh, landscape of, um, of politics and helping people um, access uh, constitutional, uh, constitutionally guaranteed rights like abortion. Just remember, inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. And I'll see you next time. And here's a little music from Kelly McFarlane off her album, Distractable Child. Peace. Thank you.